You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome to episode number two of the Tomahawk Take podcast and what is going to be our winter meetings preview. I am Jake Mastriani, one of the side experts at Tomahawk Take, and I'll be your host for this episode. Along with me, once again, we have my co-side expert at Tomahawk Take, Alan Carpenter, as well as our chief contributor, Fred Owens. Gentlemen, thanks again for being on today. Good to be here. Good to be anywhere. We'll just jump right into it today and start out with the recent news. It's been a couple of weeks since we last talked uh, as we've been trying to figure out this podcast thing and, and get it going. Uh, we recently had the deadline to tender contracts to arbitration eligible players. And a little bit of surprise on the Braves front as they decided not to tender a contract to Charlie Culberson. They also non-tendered John Ryan Murphy and Rafael Ortega, which weren't huge surprises. But it was a bit of a surprise to see Charlie Culberson go, especially from a lot of the fans who, who love Charlie Culberson. But uh, once you take a step back and kind of take your, your Culberson blinders off, it, it does make some sense. I still think they could have kept him and it would have been fine, but I can understand the reason for letting him go. So, Alan, I'll, I'll go to you first on this. What are your thoughts on the non-tenders and did any of those decisions surprise you? The easy ones, of course, were Ortega and Murphy, because you can pick those guys up anywhere, anytime, that, as you need them. The trick with Charlie Culberson, of course, is that he kind of fell off the earth in the second half of the 2019 season, and he is, unfortunately, replaceable. He's likable. He's a nice guy. He can give you an inning on the mound in a pinch, but he is replaceable. To be honest, I wonder if this might be a suggestion that your idea of wanting a corner outfield bat might be enhanced by the fact that Culberson's no longer there. The Braves now have a couple of bench bat possibilities in Nick Markakis and Adam Duvall. And while we've been thinking of those guys in terms of being a platoon option in left field, and it still exists, another possibility is that they go out and get a, a real outfield bat for that corner leave those two guys on the bench. You still need a backup infielder, but there are other ways to make that happen. Yeah, and I think they I think they have that in Johan Camargo already. Um, and, and I think I think the biggest reason letting Charlie go, and I've seen this said in other places, is that they didn't feel comfortable with him or Camargo as being the primary backup at shortstop for Dansby, who uh, you know gets injured quite frequently here in the last couple of years. And I think that they did this because they want to go after a more uh, reliable backup option at, at short. 
Fred, I'll, I'll shoot the same question to you. Were there any surprises with the non-tenders? I know you were on board with them letting Culberson go. What are your other thoughts on the non-tender deadline? I wasn't surprised with Charlie. Was there. I think I believe I said in Latin on the podcast that went into the ether that I wasn't surprised if Charlie would be was going to be non-tendered. I, I do think they need a better shortstop backup because they certainly weren't happy with the way Camargo played there. And Charlie's a utility guy, and as a utility guy, he's not really good at any one position. And and shortstop isn't his best position. So, yeah, they they will probably go into the market for something like that. There are plenty of them out there that do that. Brock Holt doesn't exactly fit that because he's not a stereotypical shortstop either, but he's certainly a better bat than Charlie. And we've got other other shortstops out there that were non-tender. Jody Mercer, as far as I know, is still without a home. So you, you, there are shortstops out there, pe- or people who could play multiple positions out there that would fill the role better and provide a better bat than Charlie provided. I think the thing with, with Culberson was that he looked so much like Swanson that there was a thing with the fans, and that was part of the charisma for him there. But, you know, his bat just – he reverted to being Charlie Culberson from 2017 last year. That's why he spent almost all that year in the minor leagues. That's what he's been, and, and I love what he did for us. He's a great guy, but I, what didn't surprise me to see him go. And the outfield bat, yeah, that may happen. I don't know that that's necessarily a precursor for it. You know, certainly you could make an argument that that's going to happen. Yeah, and I agree with both of you. I, I think it probably was the right move to let Culberson go, just because I think there are other options out there who are better candidates to play shortstop. I've kind of been on the bringing back a Danny Hetcheria bandwagon. I don't know if that's the best option, but I, I thought he was a great fit in the clubhouse last year. Obviously, he outperformed what his normal output is offensively, but I also think he's a great defensive shortstop and would be a good fit if they decided to bring him back. But we'll see where that goes and who they replace Charlie with maybe uh, here in the next upcoming week. But like you said, there are plenty of options out there uh, who can do exactly what Charlie did and and maybe even better. You just hate to lose a guy like Charlie from the clubhouse that that everybody loved and the fans loved. Can understand being a little upset about that, but I think it was a a necessary move and and a smart move. Uh, The other big news um, from the last time we talked was the Cole Hamels signing. The Atlanta Braves brought in the veteran on a one-year $18 million deal, which seems pretty expensive for a soon-to-be 36-year-old, but is just a one-year deal. And then he gives you that veteran presence in in the starting rotation uh, to go along with the young guys. So, Fred, I'll start with you this time. What were your thoughts on the, the Hamels signing? Once it became obvious that we weren't going to be able to live in the same area as the top two guys on the list, and then Wheeler got five at 25 options, uh, five at 23 and a half, the pitching market was going pretty crazy. And I suspect that their discussions with Bumgarner were taking them in an area they didn't want to go. I suspect that when he, he, his agent was saying, well, you know, we should get 20, 21, 22 a year, they just weren't going to play in that. I like Hamels as an addition. I always felt that, you know, if you could get Hamels and a hard thrower near the top of the rotation, it would be pretty much the best in the National League, at least right now. Washington's down to Scherzer and Corbin. The Dodgers are Bueller and Kershaw. And so you look around the league and say, okay, well, who's better than Soroka and Faulty, insert hard thrower, Hamels and Freed. And suddenly you, you look at those guys and you say, well, they're, that's pretty good, you know, and that's, that's really good. The other thing I thought was that he's almost, if Max Freed was to look into the future 10 years, that's what he would look like. He, he, the, the young profile on Hamels, fastball, big hook, 
and paint and just gets batters on both sides out, makes them look silly. That's Max Freed if he figures it out, and, and nobody's better to help him figure that out than Hamels. If Newcomb wants to learn how to pitch and pitch onto the edges of the plate instead of walking people, Hamels is a guy to do that. So I think that's a big benefit that comes outside the realm of 200 innings and nine strikeouts a game. So I'm for this because I looked at the pitching situation, and I think, yeah, that's the best out there. And you're good with the $18 million for one year? You didn't think that sure. was Sure, one year. There's no, there's no bad one-year deal. And Alan, I guess, uh, same question to you. Did you like the signing? I did. The biggest thing that the Braves needed was innings. We lost Keiko. We lost Tehran. They were both going to perhaps have produced around 200 innings if they had been brought back. Cole Hamels is that kind of guy. He has averaged over his entire career going into the middle of the seventh inning, and that is exactly the kind of guy you need to fill that spot. Is you need a horse, you need a, a guy who's been there, done that since the year 2000. In fact, he has ninth most innings pitched of anybody in the majors, and that includes guys like Tim Hudson, who's third on that list still and retired. So we have a guy who you're going to give the ball and he's going to take the ball every every fifth day and go out there and give you a, a great performance. If you need a stability in the in the rotation, now you've got it. If you want to then go out now and, and go for anybody stronger, longer, more ace-like, you can, but now, of course, your options are limited. Fred's right. We're not going to be in the stratosphere of going after Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg. Madison Bubgardner is going to have to probably come back to us in order to land him because after Zach Wheeler signed for $118 million and had an offer of $120 million on the table reportedly, I can't see Bumgardner get anything less than five years and probably at least $20 million, maybe more. I would not be surprised if he ends up with the same kind of deal as Zach Wheeler. So. That unfortunately means that if the Braves want to do anything different, then they've got to get to the trade market. But right now, it's starting to look like Sean Newcomb may be needing to do his long toss uh, exercises so that he's ready to be stretched out uh, come February and when they get down to Northport for spring training. Yeah, and I, I think you're both right in the fact that the free agent prices were getting a comfortable range for the Braves. And going back even to our mock winter meetings that we did here at Fansided, that was the biggest takeaway for me was just how quickly the the prices shot up and on the starting pitchers which of course as fans you know it's not our money so obviously we're going to probably pay more than than what teams will but I think we're seeing that play out even in in real life we're starting to see uh, those prices shoot up for these pitchers and and I think the Braves saw that and and pivoted to Hamels I still think 18 million is a little high but I, you know, I guess that's what it was going to take to get him on a one-year deal, and I think Antopoulos is big on making sure that he doesn't commit to long-term. And I think we're done playing in the free agent market as far as starting pitchers at this point because I don't really see anybody else that makes sense out there. Even Madbum, I think he's just a more expensive version of Cole Hamels um, at this point. So I think if they do get another starting pitcher, it's going to be a trade, but you know, maybe we'll get into that a little more later in our winter meetings uh, one of the One of the things that, that, that spurred this is if you look at next year's free agent market, 
There's not a oh my God he's he's got he's got to have guy out. There's a lot of good pitchers out there, Stroman out there and and play, pitchers like that. But there's twos and threes and and there's nobody there's nobody out there like Cole. There's nobody out there like Strasburg. Robbie Ray is probably the top of that list with best will in the world. Ray's Ray's a two, um, and if he keeps his walk rate down and his K rate up, he's a two. So if you look at that, any teams look ahead and say okay who's out there. You know, that's why I think the Yankees are going to be hard in on Cole. They're going to try to give Cole the earth and take him off the market so that they have somebody out there because Tanaka, uh, Paxton are good. Uh, Cole makes them great. And if they get that, the American League's over. Yeah, Fred, I heard the same kind of thing on MLB Network Radio last night. The fact that over the next even four years or so, the starting pitching market is not looking nearly as good as what it is right, right now. As a result, the Yankees are going all in simply because they've got no other place to spend their dollars, really, over, over that period of time. And they've they got no, no other place they need to spend dollars either. That's true. So they've got nothing to lose. They might as well go for it. So let's shift gears now and talk about the winter meetings, which are set to begin Sunday, which is tomorrow as we're recording this on Saturday in San Diego. It's already been a very active offseason to this point for the Braves in particular, but really across all of baseball, it's been a much quicker offseason than what we've seen in, in years past. Uh, and it'll be curious to see if that pace continues at the winter meetings and if we see you know, a flurry of moves getting done in San Diego. For the Braves, they pretty much filled all the holes that they needed to fill going into the offseason other than third base. So I don't know how active Alex Antopoulos will be at the winter meetings. In his first two winter meetings with the Braves, he's he hasn't done much. Alan, I'll, I'll start with you. Do you see that changing this year? Do you see much activity for Antopoulos and the Braves at the winter meetings? Well, of course, at the winter meetings last year, hardly anybody did anything. So I, I do think that there's a, a more than a fair chance that there's going to be a lot more activity. It looks like money is being spent. That's obviously what the Players Association wanted to see. And once the money gets spent, then you have to tri- turn to trades because there's not much left in terms of the free agents. I think we're already getting to a point where you're getting enough of the free agents off the market, except the high dollar ones, of course, so that you can start spurring some trade chatter here. The kind of things that we're looking at, of course, is third base and and perhaps the corner outfield. And I don't think that the Braves are interested in going five years for uh, Marcelo Zuna. I could be wrong, but I, I don't really think that that's where they want to go. But there are other options out there. There's certainly other options out there for third base. If you're going to go with the trade market route to get it done, then that needs to happen soon. And no better time to do that than the winter meetings to, to get it going. The general managers have already had one uh, meeting within the last month. That was their general business meetings in November. That essentially sets you up for a time in San Diego where you get everybody together on what they've been thinking about over the last month and the way the market has been playing out in the last month. And now that we're seeing the results of that, it's time to start dealing. So I, I think it's going to be a much busier time than we've seen in the last couple of years. 
And Fred, what do you think the Braves will make a, a big move in the winter meetings? Well, I, I think that over the time, they've building up to a trade of some kind. And it looks to me like if they're going to make a trade, they do it pretty quickly. I don't think he wants to go into January arguing about trades. I, I don't really know, but I would suggest that if he's been talking to people about a trade for a pitcher or a third baseman or an outfielder, uh, he would try to wrap it up in, in San Diego. Other than that, I don't really have any idea, but I, th- I don't think he wants to go past Christmas with this. Since we're both talking about trades and think that's where the Braves' moves are, are left, I think they're pretty much done in the free agent market as far as big moves are made. This will be a great time for me to plug an article that I posted today for the five best trade targets based off MLB Trade Rumors top 25 list of trade candidates. I don't know if either of you have had a chance to take a look at that list, but some of the names that I mentioned in in the article are Clint Frazier, uh, Matt Boyd, Robbie Ray, Starling Marte, and Chris Bryant. Of those names and and others, who, and and Fred, I'll start with you, who do you think the Braves should be targeting the most in a trade? Well, Bryant worries me because I I don't know about that uh, grievance of his. The Robbie Ray thing, I think Arizona wants too much for him. And so I would tend to stay away from that unless the price is something we can get with him and uh, Escobar together to solve that. Matthew Boyd is probably the best arm available out there. He's got control. He's inexpensive. And he's got 12, 10, 12 strikeouts uh, per nine. So that looks good. But I would try to see what Pittsburgh wants for Marte uh, first for me because he solves a couple of problems and he allows us to move into if we have to. You know, I would go there first myself, and then Matt Boyd, probably. I would also be talking to the Orioles about Trey Mancini, because I think Mancini solves a lot of issues for us. Right-handed power bat, 30-homer bat, plays some first base if we need him to play some first base, under team control, relatively inexpensive for a five-war player last year. So he solves a lot of problems. His name hadn't come up. And one of the things I look for when we talk about all these people who are being out there and talked about, have we seen Anthopolis sign any of those guys? No. So <laughs> he signs guys that nobody's talking about for us. And when you start talking about all those people that are connected to the Braves, that almost always pushes me the other directions as well. Who's not being talked about? And Mancini falls in that category. I'd like to have Mancini over Marte even because Mancini's younger and provides more options for us. Escobar for third base is a nice fit as well. And I think he's going to get a pitcher somewhere, but I don't know where that's going to be. And I think you'll see one of the up-and-comers move for that pitcher. In other words, if you have to move to get a Matt Boyd, it's going to cost you a Kyle Wright or a a Sean Newcomb or somebody like that to get in that that process. So that's where I think he's going to go. Like I said, we, we never know until he's got the deal signed. Yeah, no, it seems to be the way that it's going. Whatever we think is it's going to be the exact opposite. And I do mention Mancini in that article I, I wrote as well. MLB Trade Rumors didn't have him listed in their top 25, mainly because I think that the likelihood of the Orioles moving him is low. I think they'd have to be overpaid to move him. But I do like Mancini, and I would like him even more than Marte, uh, like you said, if if the Orioles are willing to, to part with him. Alan, uh, who are your your best trade targets for the Braves you hope to see them rumored with at the winter meetings? Well, first thought is that it, if somebody comes up with a decent proposal at all for Mancini, I think the Orioles be quite willing to move him because they are willing to move literally anybody on their roster. They, they just uh, traded Bundy out 
to LA Angels. If they're doing that, then it means the sales doors are quite wide open for just about anybody. In fact, for Bundy, they didn't even really get that good of prospects. They got a quantity deal, not a quality deal, which is about a, everything you're going to get from the Angels anyhow. So I do think the Orioles are, are, are open for business and quite willing to, to make some moves. I'm not really hard over on any of these guys. Mancini would be good. Marte would be good. I, I think his attitude has been a little interesting at times, but if you put him with a contender and a team he believes in, then he might actually do something good for you. He also has the merit of not being locked in for, say, a five-year deal like I was alluding to with Marcelo Zuna. If you if you go out and sign him to a deal, you're going to have to be committed for a while, and I'm not sure the Braves want to go that far. Marte then fits that bill as being a shorter-term kind of guy. We mentioned third base. Though I like Chris Bryant, I would love to have Chris Bryant. I'm, I just did some research this morning, and I can't find anybody who has any idea when this grievance is going to be done. It was supposed to be done in October, then it was supposed to be done in November, and then it was supposed to be done before the winter meetings, and now those winter meetings are upon us. And that's handcuffing the Cubs as well as it is anybody else who thinks they might want to go shopping with the Cubs. They're said to be aggressively pushing their players for trades, and nobody's able to do much with them because they don't have certainty about what they're going to have. So the one thing about Bryant is that, assuming that everything finishes up the way I expect it to do, he's going to lose this grievance. He's going to have two years of control before he hits free agency. That works for the Braves. If you don't think that you need to worry about point two years from now and you're going to put Riley there eventually – then yeah, that that works fine for him. But uh, if you don't want to go that direction, then there are certainly some controllable third baseman out there that you might be able to throw a lot of prospects at to trade for. I don't know that the Braves really want to go there that deep, but if you're going to, then a third baseman stud who's controllable for a while is the way to go. So I think there's lots of options. I, I'm not a, a big fan of necessarily doing anyone in particular, but I am a big fan of doing one of them at least because the uh, Atlanta Braves still have a whole bunch of pitchers who are near major league ready. They're not going to be able to use them all. They don't want them to wither on the vine and and lose value and, and just continue to age in AAA. They need to go ahead and move a few. And I, I think that this is the year that needs to happen. Moving away from the Braves in general, and Alan, I'll, I'll kick this to you first. Do you think we see one of the three big free agents sign at the winter meetings, talking about Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, or Anthony Rendon? That's a question that I have trouble saying yes to. And the, right now, obviously, we're, we're seeing a lot of news about the Yankees and Garrett Cole, and they want to put him in a record-setting deal. I don't know if that uh, news is a leak to try and – maybe intimidate others to stay out of the bidding, but I don't think it's going to work, certainly in terms of the Angels, because for the Angels, it's like Garrett Cole or bust right now. Yeah, maybe they could get Strasburg as well, but I don't know that that's going to be settled yet because that's not the way Scott Boris works. He works on his timetable. Now, he does have like eight or nine of the top free agents around this year, so he's he's got to get some done, and, and some of them are going to set the market for others. That is certainly the case with uh, Strasburg and, and Cole. 
So at some point, they do need to figure out, are they tapped out on the max dollars and is is that going to be enough? But I don't think that's going to happen this week. I, I think it's going to still uh, percolate through the end of the year at least. His typical signing date is around mid-January for some of these guys, or maybe early January. So it might linger into the first week of the new year, I think, for, for some of these big guys especially. Yeah, Fred, what do you think? you think any of these guys get done at the winter meetings? Well, I don't know. It depends on what you consider a big guy. The Yankees haven't. Cashman's flown back and forth to California twice in four days. First time was to talk to Cole. And he's going back to, he flew back for one day and now he's flying back again to California. He doesn't do that unless he intends to sign somebody. Remember CC Sabathia is not playing anywhere east of the Rockies because his wife wants to live in California and Cashman pointed out for the kind of money they have, they can rent a jet. So, (laughs) so CC went to New York unless Artie Marino wants to go really big. And, and he could because he's been known to do that. See, also Albert Pujols. I think Cole is going to land with the Yankees. How soon that's going to be is going to be up to Cole because I think Cole's his own man. I don't think, you know, he'll listen to Boris, but he makes his own decisions. And Boris has to present him with the options. But I don't think that's this week. I Again, I think that will be the first of the year, as Alan said, because that's when that's when things typically get done for this. The other thing that could actually happen that turns over the sandbox here is Rendon could sign for Texas for some ridiculously high AAV in five or six years. And Strasburg signs for the Angels because they aren't going to get coal for some ridiculously high sum and leaves the Nationals high and dry. But if that does happen, the Nationals will be really screaming and scrambling to pick up. The learners can't can't live with Artie Marino's checkbook. I know that they're rich, but Artie Marino's richer than God in some places. So if he wants somebody hard enough, he'll go get him. And Marino likes the big splash at the meetings. He did it with Pujols. He did it with Hamilton. If there's something going to happen, I, it, it's probably going to be the Angels going big at the meetings. Uh, the Texas Rangers maybe because they want that ballpark thing and they need the publicity. Other than that, there's going to be some minor sightings. There'll be some trades, certainly. And you might see somebody like Didi Gregorius sign. But other than that, I mean, Didi's a fine player, and I'd like to have him, you know, maybe play, play third base for us. But if Marino goes, doesn't go big, I don't know uh, who else would out there, unless the Yankees do step in on Cole and make a splash. I was watching College Game Day here while we're doing the show, and I just saw Field the Bucket, and that made me really miss, <laughs> really miss the Braves game. But uh, I'll be a little more optimistic than, than either of you here. I think that I think one of these three does get done at the winter meetings. There just seems to be a lot of talk about really Cole and Rendon more specifically in the last week or so. And I think it's building up to one of them getting signed at the winter meetings. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think it's Rendon. I feel like Rendon's the kind of guy that doesn't really want this to drag on and, and be in the spotlight. I think he gets done at the winter meetings, and I do think it's the Rangers who sign him. I think once that happens, uh, I think we're going to see the Nationals scramble, like you said, and and I think that's really going to drive up the price for, for Strasburg, and that's going to become an interesting market to watch. So I, I do think we see one of these guys get done at the winter meetings, just the way the offseason's already gone in general and the, the way that things are moving so quickly. It just It just screams for this to be a winter meetings where something big happens, and Maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part, but I think we see one of them get signed uh, during the winter meetings. 
to wrap it up here, we'll go back to the Braves. And Fred, I'll start with you. What do you hope to see from the Braves and Alex Antopoulos at the winter meetings? I hope he gets a third baseman then. I, I would like to see him solve that third base issue and get it off the table. It, it seems to be the one thing that he fixed the bullpen. He added Cole. He, he added his catcher and, and Darno. But that third base is sort of like the elephant in the room. He can't get the door closed until he, he gets that sign. So I, I would like to see him do that. I would like to see him go out and get one of the really good, controllable third basemen out there in a trade. And as Alan said, we've got pitchers that are not going to make our rotation because there are better pitchers ahead of them, alongside of them, or coming right after them that are starting pitchers for other teams. I love Tukey Tucson. I love that hook. Uh, anybody reads anything I've written knows how much I love uh, somebody with a big hook. But Tukey's movable because we have better behind him. Bryce Wilson, I think, is a very movable piece. And I expect Kyle Wright to do a lot better this year than he's done in the past. I don't expect them to move him, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did because he is a 2 or a 2A pitcher with big stuff, and he doesn't panic. He's got that quiet mentality on the mound, and I would really hate to see him go because of that. But you can see Newcomb move to a place where he's going to get his his wish to start. I, you know, it's not that I don't love these guys. It's just the cupboard is pretty full. And you're going to move one guy in this year, maybe, and one guy in next year, maybe. If you trade for a guy like Boyd or somebody with controllability, then one of those guys is pushed out automatically and probably goes in the trade. So, you know, if you're going to get a third baseman and, the, and they're going to want a pitcher for it, that's what I see probably is the way out. So I'd like to see him fix third base. I would really love to see him get an outfielder too, but I think that's that's going to come second. Third base is the, is the thing that has to be done right away, I think. And, and now and just kind of your final thoughts here uh, as far as the Braves' plans at the winter meetings. Uh, what do you hope to see them get done or, or at least rumored? I'm with Fred. Uh, third base has to be the priority, and I don't know that we can wait on Donaldson much more. If Rendon does end up in Texas, like you suggest, the Nationals' pivot may be to Donaldson even more than Strasburg. They came out publicly and said they can't afford both Strasburg and Rendon. That may or may not be true, but they can certainly afford Strasburg and Donaldson if they wanted to go that direction. I think we ought to be starting to prepare ourselves to recognize that Donaldson is not coming back to the Braves. I mean, he might still, but I think we should prepare ourselves that it won't happen. And in that case, I do think that uh, we're going to have to go all in in a trade to get a third baseman, a controllable young guy who we can just throw prospects at. It'll be an overpay. There's no doubt about that. But this is a team that is set up to win and win now. In this situation, you don't economize on prospects and you don't economize on dollars. A trade as well will also allow the Braves to watch their their payroll, watch their budget, and make sure they don't uh, uh, lose everything that they need to have in reserve for the, the summer and, and perhaps trade deadlines there. So you've got options, but free agent market for third base has not been trending in the right direction for the Braves. Uh, once Moustakis got signed, that kind of upset things a bit. And they're just going to have to to get going on this because it is clearly a priority. So the Braves are going to need to react. They're going to need to react quickly. And I think they're going to get the ball rolling pretty soon. Yeah, and I agree with both of you. I think third base has to be the priority. 
at this point. And as I said earlier uh, in the podcast, uh, I think the Braves are pretty much done in the free agent market. I th- maybe there's one other move. I think if it's if they do, I think it's going to be Josh Donaldson. Um, but outside of that, I think the rest of the moves are going to come through trades. My hope, third base, yes, needs to be the next priority and gets done. And then hopefully after that, I still have my, my dreams for a corner outfield, big corner outfield bat, 20 to 30 home run bat. And I think you still shoot for a frontline starter. And outside of, of that, if it's not a frontline starter, then I'd rather just see the young guys get some innings and get a chance. But I still would love them to see them to get a, another frontline starter to go with Soroka and Hamels. I think Freed or Fulty could be that, but I'd hate to go into the season banking on that at this point. So that's what I hope to see Antopoulos get done at the winter meetings is to go ahead and take care of third base. That way he can sit back and look at his other options to prove the team in other areas uh, to try to set them up for 2020. That does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast and our 2019 uh, winter meetings preview. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. This 2019 edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast is a production of TomahawkTake.com and fan-sided LLC. Opinions expressed on the show today are strictly those of the participants, all rights reserved. Music used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0, and feature selections by Kevin McLeod entitled Open Those Bright Eyes, Fuzzball Parade, and Amazing Plan. His works are featured on filmmusic.io and also via his own website at incompetech.com. Thank you for listening today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.